Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I did not anticipate a child brawl. It was kind of like watching Freebird. You know, just go slow and slow and slow and then pick up and then I'll sell a rocket out. I think that obviously it sets everything up for a lot more intriguing of a finale. I mean, if you cut my eye out, I'm going to have so much more for the poppy. I'm not going <laughs> to poop anything else. Welcome to the big stream. I am Liam McEwen returning once again on this fine day with my coworker, Stephen Douglas, to discuss the newest, latest episode of HBO's House of the Dragon. Episode 7 was released last night while Patrick Mahomes was giving the business to Tom Brady. And it was uh, quite an episode. A lot happened. Perhaps the most impactful episode of the season so far. It really was quite a ride for every minute of the episode. Lots happened. Steven? I mean, how are we feeling after this episode? It seems like it's setting up for quite the end of uh, quite the end of the season after uh, some hits and some misses in the first half. Uh, we got three episodes left. Things are coming to a head between Rhaenyra and Alicent. Their children are literally fighting. The will they, won't they of Damon and Rhaenyra is no more. How how are we feeling? I'm uh, I'm a lot more optimistic right now than I have been, I think, at any other point in this season. But that comes with a big caveat because the first half of this episode almost, uh, the funeral took forever. Um, we spent a lot of time with the uh, sun either going down or behind clouds or dragon smoke or whatever because it was just so poorly lit for like 20 straight minutes. I don't know if you've ever seen the Rollerball remake with uh, Chris Klein and LL Cool J, but the final uh, 20 minutes of that movie are all shot in uh, night vision, so it's all green, and that's what it reminded me of. It was just so off-putting. So while it, it, it was slow, it took forever to get going, once the kids got together underneath wherever to have their conflict, I mean... It rolled from there, that that confrontation, that fight, and then getting everybody back into the one like I mean it wasn't the throne room, but getting in, into that one room, everybody and people actually speaking their minds and airing grievances, and it felt like uh, the early in Game of Thrones when after Joffrey and Arya had their fight, you know. It was it was the best it's been, but it was also something that was, you know, basically recycled from the uh, first uh, series. Yeah, I um, I agree that once the once the children fighting started, that's when things really picked up. And it was kind of funny because we talked last week about how the children were going to be the proxy through which Allison and Rhaenyra kind of fought their battle. I didn't mean that literally. I did not anticipate a child brawl. Uh, they, 
it was uh it was it subverted expectations for sure on several levels because number one i thought that Amond was going to end up getting kicked to, to death by all of his cousins it seemed like yeah. that was kind of the direction it was going it was a shock he was still alive in the first place to be honest with you i was pretty convinced that he was going to get burnt to a crisp or get barrel rolled off the back of vagar uh, there were a couple, I mean, I was surprised that he was still alive by the time that the big scene rolled around where he was getting his eyes stitched up and everybody got upset. Uh, so points to them for, uh, you know, managing to deceive me on that front. But it was, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, the the children kind of sparked the conflict. And like you said, it was a, a little recycled, but I thought it was well done. And it's sort yeah. of... Uh, Allison's break in character was interesting to me in that scene in that she went like, you know, the last episode, the first episode that we see Allison as kind of a, uh, her own person, a fully grown political power in the universe. You know, she was pretty kept together. There were lots of, uh, you know, comparisons to Cersei and what have you. And this time around, it kind of, she kind of came across as petulant, you know, kind of felt like she was acting a little bit like a spoiled brat when the king wouldn't give her exactly what she wanted. And then she lost her mind, charged over, tried to take the eye out of one of her nephews, I guess, technically. Yeah, nephews. Um, yeah. Step-nephews, maybe. Not totally sure what the deal is there. It's all very unclear. But, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was a tense scene. They built up the tension really well. I mean, we all knew that, you know, even there was a there was a second there where you thought that Rhaenyra was going to take the knife into the eye with the way that they had that camera shot. But, you know, we knew that nobody was going to die. Uh, I was watching it with my girlfriend and she immediately guessed that Allison was about to be executed after she cut Rhaenyra. And I was like, no, they can't do that. Like, she is one of the few, like, catalysts that the show has left after the time jumps and the various murders that it's gone through. She has to stay alive. So I think that obviously it sets everything up for a lot more intriguing of a finale uh, over the, that last three episodes, because to this point, everything had been fought kind of in the shadows and in the realm of rumors and the kind of areas where uh, the, the, the people like Laris Strong really thrive. And now it's obviously appears to be a little bit more out in the open here now. Yeah, uh, for Allison, she, you know, she kind of lost her mind there for a minute. Um, that was, and then she goes back and her father's like, that was great. I'm so proud of you. I didn't, I didn't think you had it in you. She I was, I was shocked. Speaking of her dad, I was shocked he got brought back into the fold. They, oh, and they yeah. sort of just did that too. Like it was mentioned pre in the previous episode, but that was basically it. And then you, you know, it pans over him during the funeral and he has the hand on it. It's like, oh, Otto Hightower back in action. I mean, that that's, again, one of one of the big problems with the series is a lot of the stuff that came in the first half of this season does not matter. I mean, not even a little bit. Why did we have to have Otto Hightower go away? And I mean, why did Damon have to? I mean, you could have just told us about Damon. He didn't. We didn't have to watch him go away because even last night, King Viserys is like, "Buddy, come on home. I got a place for you." I know we've had our differences before. This is uh, like the what the fourth time they reconciled in five episodes now. Anytime the king sees those locks, he's like, oh, "God, <laughs> I, I need you around. I, I, I hate that we're fighting. I don't like." You know, why are you acting so messed up towards me? 
but yeah, Allison acted like a hothead mom. Uh, she, I didn't think that was a very good job playing the uh, playing the Game of Thrones there, as you're supposed to do this uh, as uh, Laris does, you know, quietly in the background. Yeah, it was uh, quite the quite the spin zone Otto Hightower had there right afterwards when Allison was like, "I really should not have done that." And he was like, "Well, actually, maybe you should have." You know, and and it's very in it's interesting, like all these things where like, oh well, you know, this is so scandalous that this is these are kids are bastards, and you know, it, it would ruin us. But I mean, like everybody knows, and the people the the people in charge like the king doesn't care he doesn't want to hear it because he likes his kids lord corliss valerian he doesn't care that the kids aren't uh true born so if the people in charge don't care and everybody knows then why do we have to pretend that it matters when we have we've seen these cases for i mean generations now where it actually doesn't matter it, it just it's just a problem with the people in charge you know just trying to pretend they're better i guess i mean in the this is specifically in game of thrones I, i'm not talking about you know in, in the real world but yeah uh one thing uh we should discuss that i enjoyed the end of the episode so much that i watched the uh coming on for next week Uh, the first time i've done it all season and upon seeing that i thought to myself boy those children characters look older and yes we are headed for another time jump i i cannot believe this this is our our fourth time jump i mean they're probably it's probably gonna be like five years because they look like they're uh suddenly like rob stark age you know like when the game of thrones started they're gonna be older teenagers and and i just for the first time they just made me care about these kids and be interested in these kids and they're immediately going to replace them so i mean they are just addicted to uh changing the timeline they're addicted to increasing the pace of the plot without actually doing anything to increase it other than changing the time frame uh, yeah, I mean, I can't believe that they're leaning on this so much as a strat, as like a, a a television show strategy. It's kind of crazy. Like the ten year time jump in the middle of the season, you know, speaking purely from a lore perspective and not speaking from a pleasure of viewership perspective, you see why it makes sense. You have the first half of the season kind of setting the scene, and then. You don't want to spend two seasons doing that. So you just hit the gas pedal and skip a while and everybody's an adult now. And you give the actors who came before their flowers and then let the older actors run wild with it, you know, whatever. But like you said, this is the fourth time. This is the fourth time that they have in, like jumped us significant, significant amounts of time, enough time for people to visually change. Like that, I don't, uh, I mean, obviously we're going to have to discuss it next week and see how they did, but so far they haven't done a great job of handling it. You know, hopefully it's not like the previous time jumps where effectively every single plot thread was cut into pieces and we just started anew again, uh, like it has happened the previous three times. We'll see on that front, but obviously the biggest, biggest outcome or the biggest development of this episode was the marriage of Rhaenyra and Damon. It seemed like uh, 
again, one of the things I felt a little robbed of. <laughs> the 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 Rhaenyra Damon uh, wedding ceremony that was like very classic Targaryen seemed pretty friggin' awesome, and we got like fifteen seconds of that. They had some pretty sick cloaks on, like the blood red at the bottom. You know, very iron blood, very old age. You know, they're out on the cliffs of the sea. Like that seemed pretty sweet, and they gave us a very short glimpse, and then the, just the episode ended. Uh, but yeah, they finally got married. They uh, finally had sex. They finally coupled. It seems like, you know, maybe we're going to have some little Targaryens uh, running around. And yeah, I mean, I don't, they didn't lean on their relationship that much. Like as far as uh, I mentioned uh, the will they, won't they thing at the beginning of the episode of the, this podcast. And it wasn't really like a, a classic will they, won't they plot device by any means. They were barely in the same room the last like th two or three episodes, really. But they finally did it. Uh, Damon maybe got what he wanted, I guess. It kind of seems like this has been his long-term play, and Rhaenyra seems pretty happy with the arrangement, and that even went so far as to fake the death of Rhaenyra's husband, which, quite the twist. I didn't uh, didn't really see that one coming. I was pretty shocked and horrified when we got a wonderful high-definition look at a face burnt to a crisp. I was I was fooled. And then you got next scene, Lainor is there swimming or uh, boating his way out to take to the seas like he always did. So that was really, I mean, the the union of Rhaenyra and Damon seems like it's going to be a central kind of uh, plot conflict going forward. Yeah, it was kind of a little will they, will they won't they. Uh, it's probably the, the relationship that they've done a best the best job with throughout the series. As you could see that they really cared for each other uh early with the with matt smith and the first actress playing uh playing our future queen and you know it despite the fact that they are uh nephew and niece you know you were and and one of them was a very bad person you know uh, as far as house of dragon goes you were kind of like hoping them to that they would get together and you know they finally did the surprise where they faked the death. Um, I thought it was a little weird that uh, Damon went to his went to uh, Lenor's buddy to uh, be the killer, and then immediately as soon as it, you, the revealer's like, "Oh wow!" and that's why they're saying, "Oh, our enemies will whisper, and they will think that we are capable of anything." You know, I mean, they they did that part well, and it it definitely does make them a uh, very formidable duo. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see how they uh, work as a actual couple. And it's funny that uh, they they use the term coupling because in coupling there's something called a giggle loop, which is where you can't control your laugh in a serious situation, which is exactly what happened to Damon at his wife's funeral. Uh, so full circle British television right here. Full circle. It does seem that Rhaenyra has finally stepped into the into the game of Thrones, as it were. Because she, I mean, her mere presence has made her a power player, but it doesn't seem like she hasn't done this kind of like upper level cloak and dagger type BS. And I mean, obviously it kind of seemed like Damon was the driving force behind pulling this one off. But, you know, if Rhaenyra's I don't know why she hasn't done it to this point. Maybe she's, I mean, she was probably too busy having as many children as possible. But it seems like, you know, now she's kind of going to try to rise to Allison's level as a 
as an influence in in the city and within uh, within the inner circle of the king. And I guess that'll really, I mean, that'll really bring their conflict to a head. Yeah, um, I I liked how we uh, in in the big conflict in in the great hall, how uh, Sir Kristen Cole finally almost uh, did something, and we we got the return of uh, Harold Westerling, our uh, bald Kingsguard member. I, I you know I. I it's it's confusing. I think he's the the head of the King's Watch or whatever, whoever Jamie used to be. But I was a surprise to see him again. I had actually when I saw him, I remembered that we picked him out as an early potential fan favorite after the first episode, and then he disappeared for six episodes. In that part, it, it seemed like there was going to be more conflict, and uh, that's when uh, Viserys actually, you know sounded like he was in charge for once he actually got everybody to stop he stopped more bloodshed um it was except for his his own wife who uh he clearly cannot control but the the person who gained the most and yet uh lost the most it seemed was uh little Eamon mm-hmm. who went from uh the pig dragon last week to uh what appeared to be like the biggest dragon we've ever seen um you know he was the oldest oldest remaining dragon and therefore the largest when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And, uh, you know, so it's great he's got it, but I mean, wonder what the life expectancy for a uh, dragon is. Wicked long. Yeah. So, I mean, he, you know, he stood up to the dragon, he bonded with it, he, he took what was, what wasn't his and made it his. And then he fought one on four, um, lost an eye. And then he recovered from that. I mean, super quickly. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe for an like, hour for, like a, for a twelve-year-old, he he handled all that really well. He, yeah, and then like an hour later, with his face stitched up, uh, somehow stopped bleeding, and he's talking reason to his mother. It's like, no, nah, don't worry about it. You know, I lost an eye, but I got a dragon. That's cool. And then you once know? again, Otto Hightower is like, he's right. You know, <laughs> it was worth I, the price. I mean, if you cut my eye out, I'm going to have so much milk of the poppy. I'm not going to know who <laughs> anyone is. I can promise you that much. So, yeah, was he here. doing this? Was he doing that painkiller free? Like, he was pretty coherent. He was just getting his whole ass eyes stitched up without any painkillers or anything. Like, that's pretty, that's pretty nuts. I mean, that's kind of the sort of iron and blood bullshit that the Targaryens love to put out there. But we've so, from what we've seen, they don't actually do it. They just talk about it. So that maybe he is a classic Targaryen. 
Oh, he went through the head injury protocol at King's Landing, and uh, they sent him back in. There were no problems. So Eamon Targaryen has taken a big uh, step up. And then Aegon, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the uh, older version, the yet older version of Aegon is like, because this version, this young teenage version is a, a real creep. Um, he's, 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 he's a creep a lot... and a drunk on top of it all. And he, I mean, was I mean his, yeah, and his, oh, fair enough. But his mother, his mother also seems to basically hate him. You know, I it was it was kind of it was depressing because it's like that classic cycle of abuse thing where the kid gets the shit kicked out of him, so he's an asshole to everybody else. But it was kind of funny seeing him get slapped around by his mom in that in that moment where she's like, "Where were you to defend your brother?" And he was like, "Oh, what? Where am I?" I was sleeping. I was sleeping it off. Get off my back, mom. <laughs> Yeah, though, no, the kids, the kids have been, I mean, a tremendous, again, I think, you know, for all of the criticisms that we have levied towards this show, the casting has been outstanding through and through these, the, you know, the kids were the central, central conflict of this whole episode. It's what sparked off everything interesting that happened, and it's what's going to spark off, in all likelihood, the conflict that will ride us through the end of the season. I thought that they really nailed their scenes there. Yeah, I mean, you just have to wonder how much longer Viserys. I mean, does he does he stay alive until every last hair falls out of his head? Yeah, I was gonna say check a uh, weekly check in on Viserys's health. Uh, poor, but no, as far as I could tell, outside of maybe losing a little bit more hair, there wasn't that much of a change between last episode and this. Um, still doesn't have an arm, of course. Hasn't appeared to lose any other limbs, though. Uh, he's, I mean, they didn't really focus in on that much. I still just, it's kind of remarkable that he's still alive. It seems like it's growing more and more likely that he ends up surviving until the final episode of the season, which is a, a big old surprise on my end. He would have been pretty high up on my uh, death power rankings after we saw how bad he was in the early episodes. Yeah, it's, well, it's easy to survive an extra decade or two when it only takes five minutes to uh, to age that long. <laughs> uh, yeah, but like you said, he also took back a little bit of power here. So maybe uh, the doddering old man kind of angle they had for him last episode isn't going to last. Maybe he goes out with a bang. I don't know. I mean, I, I, again, at this point, they've made such a big deal about how poorly he is deteriorating or how much i suppose he is deteriorating that like you know how is he still how is how does he still matter but he does and he was the only thing that stood between you know his nephew or his grandson rather and getting an eye taken out by his grand step grandmother so well i mean we've got damon and renera finally together uh allison is backed by her father who is back um the children are very clearly um their battle lines have been drawn by the families so you know it'll be interesting to see if like uh helena targaryen and aegon are married by the time we see them next week and they start producing uh what they assume will be heirs also i mean we we should mention lara strong who has the uh ear of the queen um fuck all this episode yeah well i mean he he just kind of he went to the funeral and stood in the background stared at the queen uh not weird at all 
Well, that's, you know, I will say that fits his character to a T. He's definitely a big time lurker, Larry Strong. But you would think he would be a little more uh, discreet since that's what his whole thing is supposed to be. But he's just <laughs> there in the midst of uh, all these powerful people in the uh, Game of Thrones and just staring at the queen, giving her awkward smiles. So, I mean, the last time somebody was doing that, they got uh, their head beaten in on a dance floor. It's true. But I don't anticipate that fate for Laris. I think Laris is my most likely to survive candidate. Well, outside of the, you know, central crew. I don't know. I think the the interesting thing about the end of this episode is that it's set up kind of a banger of a conflict for the end of the season, but you don't really have any idea what direction it's going in, which, I mean, I think it's fair to say at, through the seventh episode of the season, we should probably have a little bit more clarity on how things are going to work out. But on the other hand, they did give themselves a pretty blank slate on which to work and they could end up you know capitalizing big time and it could be great it could be really bad but i mean either way at least they haven't i mean you know little little comfort i suppose but they haven't backed themselves into like some sort of shitty plot corner you know yeah i think that was that was back when game of thrones is at its best when you didn't know uh who was going to survive and uh, there were times during this episode where i thought you know uh Eamon, Allison, uh, either of Renera's kids, uh, even Renera, um, I thought they were in serious danger of being killed off. And I think that that is a good sign for this show because, you know, like I said, that's when Game of Thrones was at its best when we didn't know what was hap- what was going to happen unless we'd read the books. So you know i'm optimistic and i i think that we'll get a couple of uh deaths by the end of this by the end of the season and i don't know if the fact that i'm prepared to be shocked means i won't be shocked but um at least it seems like with the kids more involved um i i for the first time i kind of feel like oh i'll be interested to see if they die i'm actually going to learn their names at least the Targaryens. Uh, I don't know about Lucerys and uh, Jacaris Valerian. Uh, Jason Lucky, we'll call him. <laughs> and baby Joffrey. Uh, yeah. I will say that I think the only death I will not be shocked by is Viserys. That's the only one where I wouldn't be surprised to an extent because they have built up such a core around which everything revolves that like it's hard to see how they could keep going with if they killed off any of the like central people that we know at this point, like Rhaenyra or Allison or uh, Damon or any of the um, any of the Valerians, Lord Corliss. I mean, these are a lot of power players. Although one thing that I actually just realized, saying it all out loud, is that, and I don't know if they're going to keep doing this, but it does seem like the last two episodes have really narrowed down the scope of what's happening to like purely within the royal family and the conflicts that are happening there at least you know for the first six episodes seven episodes they did really only focus on that sort of thing but there was the illusion that outside forces had something to do with what was going on and sometimes it actually did like with the crab feeder never forget 
but other times it's just kind of these like half-assed references at the you know at the round table where everybody's like oh we should really keep an eye on this serious conflict the serious like yeah it's fine and then you just we just move on completely and now you know at least in the seventh episode they abandon any illusion of that and it's like all right here we go it's really this is what the show is like about it's about the succession it's about how Allison and Rhaenyra are gonna you know toe off and see what happens and I think that you know part of what made Game of Thrones fun was the grand the grandness of it all about how something happening on one side of Westeros completely changes everything for the other side of Westeros but for where the show is right now, I think that I like the decision to narrow it if they continue it in the final couple episodes. And I think that that'll make it more interesting. Yeah, I think on any ensemble show like this, it, whenever you get everybody in the same room, uh, it, it makes a big difference and it, it feels more important. And it's it's nice that they actually had these conflicts out in the open for once and you know they were able to literally point fingers right at each other um and talking about Viserys um I mean maybe maybe this is gonna be like succession where from the very very beginning you think he's gonna die and then he just hangs on and on and they keep jumping 10 years at a time and he lives to be 205 years old and we're in season three and <laughs> I, I would know. love that. We were just talking about subverting expectations. That would certainly subvert all of my expectations. So, I mean, it it wouldn't change any of the people positioning for uh, for the throne after he's dead. So, I mean, watching him him be there to react and and kind of dismiss pretty much any serious thing. He just does. He doesn't want to hear about it. He's just like, I just want Damon to come home. I want to hang out. I don't want to hear that my grandchildren are bastards. You know, everything's fine. I just want to work on my model trains and uh, invite Damon over for coffee. <laughs> That's all he really wants to do is just hang out with his brother and work on his models. And who knows? Who knows how long he'll have left to do that? They've continued to string him along. At a certain point, you're probably going to start to feel bad for the guy because it's just physically... We're not we're not in a good good place with him, but yeah, there's a lot you know. Big picture, I think that uh, it's like you said. I'm feeling better about where the show is at than I have to this point. I think that the useless storylines of the first half of the season are still going to bug me, but I mean, in the interim, all I'm doing is zeroing in on kind of the conflicts presented, and I think you know, I think there's a great opportunity for them to take advantage here. Yeah, um, I think they're in. It, it's the it's the best spot that they've been in, despite the uh, extremely slow start and the long ass funeral at the beginning of the episode. It was kind of it was kind of like watching Freebird, you know, just go slow and slow and slow, and then pick up, and then all of a sudden we're rocking out. So hopefully they continue with that for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for this episode ranking, I am going to give it a four out of five eyes gouge. I liked it. I think it was uh, one of the better episodes that the season has put forth yet. There wasn't a lot of wasted time outside of how, you know, the funeral stretched a little bit. But other than that, they, there wasn't a lot of wasted time. It seemed like everything they put forward in this episode will be meaningful in the short and the long run. Uh, it was fairly action-packed as far as house of the dragon has gone 
uh, I, you know, I think that it was maybe the best episode of the season so far. And yeah. because may, and may, maybe because there was no time jump, who's to say? Yeah, I would I would give this two out of three dragons uh, stolen because the the second I mean it was probably like the last uh, 30, 40 minutes of the episode was excellent. The first half dragged, um, but yeah, like I said, you know I'm I'm finally excited to uh, see what happen see what happens, and I'm it's the most optimistic I've been about the show. So good for them. And let's keep it up and uh, justify all the time that these apparently tens of millions of people are spending uh, watching this show. The ratings, they are outstanding, but that's another pod for another day. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into the latest episode of The Big Stream. Make sure you log on to The Big Lead for all of your latest sports and media news. I'm Liam McEwen. This was Stephen Douglas. We will see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.